Okay, if you could please introduce yourself, the organisation you work for and your role. Okay, um, my name is Anne Bren and I'm Deputy Chief Executive of Staywell, which is a charity working mainly with older people in uh, Kingston and surrounding areas. And could you tell us a bit about how you're using digital within your organisation? Okay, well we've been on a long journey with digital. Um, so uh, back in 2000, as far ago as 2013, um, we realised that we needed um, better data on, um, on the people that we were, that we were working with. Um, so we, we went on a journey and we eventually commissioned, with the help of superhighways actually, um, a database from Lamplight. Um, now we, we have since realised that that isn't completely fit for purpose, it's, it has its, um, its limitations. And for the last two years, two years, <laughs> we've, been, um, we've been working on building a, a Salesforce database. Um, we very much believe that um, digital is, is a transformative thing. Uh, sorry, let me start again. Okay, so um, we believe that uh, digital transformation is key to transforming and delivering the services our beneficiaries need now and will need in the future. Um, and we faced and continue to face a number of challenges and we need to find new, new ways of working in order to address those. So the, um, we, uh, we opted for Salesforce because it's the, it's the market leader. Um, and this is about, there are a number of drivers uh, for, for this. Um, uh, it's about operational efficiency, so streamlining um, systems and processes across the organisation, uh, creating consistency. Uh, we, have, we provide a number of different services, uh, but we want those services to operate very much um, as a whole seamlessly so that the, the, the people that we're working with the client gets a better experience. Um, and so we, we from, um, in order to do that, we need our services to share information so that clients don't have to uh, repeat a lot of information so that different services who are working with the same person know what's happening uh, with that person. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of it, it's, it's creating um, operational efficiencies. Um, the other very important um, driver and our reason for doing this is that we, we understand that, that we believe that data is critical to us uh, in order to develop future services. So that when we, when we have really good data, we'll be able to understand our clients better. We'll see what kind of services they're taking up, what services they aren't taking up. Um, and we'll see, we'll be able to analyze trends, Obviously, there's the, the demographic information and the stats that we need for, um, for our, both for ourselves, for our own understanding as an organisation, but also for commissioners and funders. Um, and that robustness of data, the, the evidence base is, is really important. And what have been the key challenges for you? The, the challenges are the key challenges are really around skills. Um, this isn't an easy thing to do. Um, 
we have sent um, a number of people on training courses um, to assist us with the development. Um, but I think it's it's very difficult to um, start again. <laughs> okay, so um, I think generally one of the key challenges is skills. There is a skill shortage in this area of work. Um, it's it's expensive to hire in professionals to to work with us on development. We have sent um, some uh, some of our key staff members on training to enable them to to develop a lot of the work in house that we need to do. But um, that's that also is, is costly, and you need to find people who've got the right aptitude for um, for the work in the first place. And the kinds of digital skills that uh, people will need to both develop uh, something like a, a, a Salesforce CRM um, and to use the system once it's established and up and running are um, not common in our sector, I think. And, not, not, and when I'm talking about our sector, I'm not talking about the voluntary sector. I'm talking about people who work in the care sector and who are working with older people. Um, so there's, um, there's a steep learning curve for everybody and there is a lack of advice and support generally. <clears throat> um, one of the other key challenges is, is, fight, is around the, the advice and support and identifying uh, trusted um, providers who can um, assist us on this journey. Um, you know, like, like anything else, um, you're very often reliant on the advice of people who want to sell you things, which can be, can be difficult. Um, and those, I mean, they, I think those are the key things, actually, the, the skills shortage and the, the shortage of reliable, trusted advice and support. How have you been able to resource these developments so far? Well, um, <clears throat> we were able to get backing from our board. We presented them with a, a business case um, and they agreed to invest in, in this development. Um, we're fortunate in that we have some reserves that enabled us to do that. So we have, we've funded it ourselves. We have applied for some external sources of funding, but to date, not successfully. Very, it's very competitive. Um, and I think it's, um, it's probably unusual in this sector for uh, an organisation to be able to take on, on a project of this size um, from, from its own resources. Um, we have, as I said, we, we've used our own staff, so that has saved us on some external costs, but clearly there is a, a resource implication there in terms of the the time that uh, people have um, to spend on the project and also the cost of training. Um, we have taken advantage of the Salesforce charity office offer, which um, you know, that, that does exist, but it's um, it, the number of licenses that you can get um, uh, free or discounted level is quite small and we are a fairly sizable organization so um, we, we've taken you know we've been able to take advantage of some 
um, some of the, the um, offers that are available, but it's that's a very small um, proportion of the overall uh, cost of the project. And in terms of managing the project, is that yourself? Uh, yes, well, that's that's another another factor. You know, we don't have an IT department, um, so uh, along with you know all of the other things that are part of <laughs> that are um, come under my um, area of responsibility, that that's been one of them. Yeah, but not on the technical level, I have to say. <laughs> and that's that's through advice and support that you're getting the technical. Yes, yeah, so we've worked with a we've worked with two partners, um, three partners in all, um, Salesforce accredited partners. Um, that has been challenging in itself. Uh, it's difficult to know uh, how to choose the right partner to work with. You take the advice that you can, but actually, our first partner actually went into administration leaving us high and dry when we were about sort of halfway through the project. So we then had to identify a new partner, um, as a result of which a lot of the work that had been done originally was thrown away, essentially. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's where the, the difficulties come in, in, in identifying the right, the right people to work with, the right kind of support, uh, finding somebody, uh, you can trust. Um, I think there's generally a shortage of, of skills in the in the digital digital field in Salesforce in particular, and so uh, there's a high demand for highly qualified Salesforce administrators, Salesforce developers, and the prices are, are, that they charge are, are out of our reach. So um, yeah, <laughs> tough. <laughs> And um, so you, you gave some examples of what um, you implemented back in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other examples of what you've implemented recently? Well, the, the Salesforce project is massive. Mm. Um, you know, we, we have over 100 staff in our organization. So, uh, and we've collected a lot of data already um, through the previous um, database Lamplight and through um, other um, other systems that we use. So we have we have an awful lot of records on on our clients. All of that data, or a proportion of that data, an appropriate proportion of that data, needs to be transferred into the new system. That's an exercise in itself. Um, And we are not quite live even now. We, we've we've um, started to use a system in a in a very modest way um, within some of our services, um, and we're now in the process of uh, finalising the the data transfer, completing the, completing the data transfer, and uh, training the different teams so that um, they're ready, ready to go live. Because we have a lot of different services we decided to take a, a kind of waterfall approach and bring on everybody as quickly as possible at the same time. Um, that's not necessarily the best approach, but that's where we are now. So um, because we didn't want to have a situation where we had 
different people, different teams working on different systems, people having to work on two systems at once um, and duplicating data. And the, there's a risk there that the client gets lost somewhere in the middle because there isn't you know, sufficient consistency. So that's what we've been trying to achieve for some time. We're getting very close now. Um, I still firmly believe that it's the right thing to do, that this actually is critical to our success as a, as a charity and that it will um, bring huge benefits, both in terms of operational efficiency, streamlining. Um, part of that is obviously about saving money um, and enabling resources to be used um, for more client-facing direct provision of services. Um, and part, part of that, very important, is about the, the data, the, the um, analysis of the data that um, we will be collecting and the, the evidence that that data will provide of the, the quality of the work that we're doing, uh, the depth of that work, the difference that it makes to the people we're working with, and, and the impact that that has on the, on the community more widely. Um, and what, well, what are your tips for success? Um, don't underestimate <laughs> the, you know, the, the size and complexity of a project like this. Um, I think we were quite naive when we, when we set out on this journey a few years ago. Um, we thought it would be relatively straightforward and it, it takes time and we've learned that actually we're, we're not the only ones to have had a quite a challenging journey um, and we're not the only organisation to have underestimated the size and uh, complexity of, of a project like this. So I think that, that's probably the, the number one tip. Um, don't rush into it. So make sure that um, you take advantage of any advice that is out there and seek different sources of advice. Leadership is critically important. It does need to be uh, to be led at a, the highest possible level in the organisation. You know, for us, that the, the board backed us on this, but it was very much driven by the chief executive in the first place. Um, um, lost my thread slightly. Um, And in, in terms of resources, um, it may in the end not be cheaper to, to try and do it all internally um, within your own capacity as an organisation because that, that may just take longer. So it, it might be more advantageous in the long run and more cost effective to, to buy in some external support. Um, I think you need a very, very clear understanding of what you're getting. It's, um, it's not always easy to, to, to navigate your way around the different suppliers of this, this um, type of service. I think there the can be differences in expectations on both sides. Um, and it's, it's worth spending a lot of time planning and understanding uh, what what you want to achieve 
and ensuring that any partner that you're working with also has a really good understanding of that. And uh, you mentioned a bit about the impact on your beneficiaries. Are mm -hmm. there any other uh, things you would like to say about that? Well, uh, it's we're still um, we're still not fully live, as I as I've said. Um, I think that you know, is it's this for us is very much around the customer experience, customer service. Customer can be an uncomfortable word, I think, for people who work in the voluntary sector, um, but. Um, we are providing a range of services. Some of those services people actually pay for. Um, and we think it's right to aspire to achieve the, the highest possible quality of service that we can. Um, so it will help us um, to respond more quickly um, to, to people's inquiries, to people's needs. Um, it will reduce the, the amount of time people spend telling and retelling their stories. Um, it will enable us to, to make sure that people aren't missing out on anything. That's, that's another key factor. Um, if, you know, our approach is that um, we, we hope that whichever direction people come into our into stay well, um, whether it's for information advice or whether it's for, for a practical service like a handy person service, Whichever is the point of entry, we want to be able to expose them to everything else that we've got to offer, and also that um, our partners have to offer. We, you know, we work in very much in partnership, and by um, building up our our local knowledge and our data, and ensuring that we um, we understand someone's um, um, needs and requirements when they they come to us. Um, we think we will, we will offer them a better service and digital will, will help us to do that. Um, we're also, you know, aside from the, from the, uh, the database work, we also try to build up our social media presence um, to get the word out there, to communicate with people, engage people, engage supporters, as well as beneficiaries. Um, and we also want to encourage our own particular user group, older people who may be very reluctant to engage with technology, um, to, um, to learn skills and to be able to, to engage with us on that kind of platform through those, those avenues um, so that um, exclusion is, is reduced um, and people um, can be contacted much more um, in more immediate ways and innovative ways. And the Salesforce database, you know, it will help you too. Yes, I mean the the, the other thing about about it um, is that this isn't a single project that has a, a start date and an end date. Um, this is something that will evolve continuously. Um, it will offer greater functionality, greater capabilities in the future. It's a constantly developing um, um, product. And um, from that perspective, it also is a long-term um, financial commitment and commitment of resources. Uh, we, this isn't something we're going to be able to walk away from. It's not um, something that, we won't, that won't always require support. It will in the future. So those are also... Um, considerations to take into account. 
Um, but that's also what makes it exciting, it, and it, that's where the potential is um, for the future. And what would you say is your next major milestone? You say you're not fully live. Uh, what so the next, the next major milestone is to complete the training and to press the go button. Um, then I think we'll be, we'll be standing back for a little while. Um, we recognise that a lot of the staff will need, need a lot of support um, as they get used to the new system. Um, but over time, I think the benefits will, will manifest themselves. And I have a few questions now for the Charity Digital Code of Practice. Okay. And so you've had a look at the... I have, yes. ...digital principles. Yes. Uh, which of these principles do you think were the most difficult for um, Stay Well to address? Um, for us, the skills... Um, you know, one of the principles is that digital still digit. One of the principles is that digital skills should be represented at all levels of your charity. Um, that's certainly not the case for us. Um, it's been it's a learning curve for everybody, um, and actually there are very few people who possess those those kind of skills. We are now trying to ensure that uh, the requirement to engage with digital and be prepared to take part in training is built into all job descriptions no matter what that is um, one of the uh, one of the elements of our salesforce setup is an hr system so that our staff will be able to um, book book their holiday for example digitally so that means they can do it from home they can do it from their phone um, and they can do it when they're, you know, they're in a, they're on one holiday and they want to book their next one. They can, they can request their holiday. So to that extent, everybody in the organisation, um, even if they're not involved in recording client data, will be using the system. Um, and that, that helps, helps us incrementally develop some skills and, and get people used to using it. Uh, but there's a long way to go. I think this, this is something that is going to take time and patience, um, but also something that we are um, very committed to as an organisation. And how do you feel about your own digital skills? My own digital skills? <laughs> um, they're developing. <laughs> so yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm now um, familiar, familiar with all kinds of terminology that would have been uh, like a foreign language two years ago. Um, and, you know, I think, it, you know, as leaders of the organisation, yes, we do have to um, practice what we, uh, what we preach. Um, we do have to lead by example. And uh, the, you know, for me in my role, the reporting um, functionality that Salesforce will offer is hugely important. It, it will be so much easier to produce reports than it is from our existing uh, systems. Um, the quality of the data will be much better and we will have much more immediate data as well. So we're, um, 
we already have some some dashboards so if i log into salesforce i can see for example how many new members have joined our centers in the last quarter the last uh, and the last financial year um, so that's uh, you know some immediate information which is which is very handy um, and that can be customized for different services so that it is um, we are managing performance um, in a much more immediate and informed way than we've been able to do in the past. And, and do you think the framework will be helpful to other organisations to move forwards with digital? Um, yes, it looks extremely useful and um, I wish something like this had been um, available um, to us when we when we started out on our journey, I think it um, it covers the the key things, the key areas that organisations need to consider and take into account, um, and it provides a framework for you know for, for decision making and for planning and for guiding organisations through um, the digital journey that they. They decide to take. I think the um, it's clearly relevant in the, the section on risks and ethics is, is clearly very um, timely and relevant with the recent um, implementation of GDPR legislation, which we've all had to think about uh, very uh, very much in um, which we've all had to think about very systematically. Um, we're handling a lot of very personal data. We need to be very um, robust in our systems and processes uh, in dealing with that. And digital will help us with that, but it also presents a lot of challenges. So it's very useful to, ha to have that as one of the, uh, you know, the, the key principles that need to be taken into account. And as a, so you said it's a good framework. Mm -hmm. So for you as, as the deputy, how, do you, how are you using this within your organization and this process? Well, to be honest, I've only just seen it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that it's something that we will in future, um, we will incorporate into our training and into, into our, our policies around digital and IT. Thank you. Sorry, there's so many ums and ahs and... <laughs> <laughs>